The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Good Night Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Good Night, Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Good Night, Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. Do I feel happy in life? Um, um, let's see. Let's say I hope I'm finding happiness. Right? Well, for me, uh, if I can realize certain things in my work, uh, I come the closest to being happy. And I can say that also about my life. Well, it only happens, I think, in moments, sometimes when I'm working, and uh, and I'll be able to um, uh, fulfill a scene truthfully, and then I think I'm the happiest. Well, I find it very stimulating to keep studying and working, um, uh, but it, I'm not just generally happy. If I'm generally anything, I guess I'm generally miserable. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes? Uh, sometimes, I do think. Do you like... I don't know. I think sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Which is natural, I guess, for everyone. Um, I would like to be more sociable than I am. On some days. Sometimes I'll chat when I'm not pleased, but sometimes the work itself requires uh, more uh, that I'm quiet and to myself more. And other days, like during a musical number, I try not to get too... uh, uh, I like to be more outgoing because that's what I have to express, and so I try to keep a general... I try to. Even if I feel like it or not, I'll try to make the effort to make contact with people around me. Yes, because I could easily be alone. It doesn't bother me to be alone. Some people I know, they uh, they don't like to be alone. I don't mind it. I need it as a rest, and yeah, it kind of refreshes myself. Yeah, and a rest. Yes, I think there's two things in human beings that they as I think there is in myself um, that they want to be alone but they also want to be together you know 
because I think I have also uh, a gay side to me, also a sad side. And I think that's the way with people also. Yes. But there is something in people where they want, they need solitude for a while. All right, everybody. That's from Marilyn Monroe herself last uh, week. We had talked about uh, Marilyn and uh, being happy, and I think it's always wonderful to to be able to hear from her in her own words. Uh, this is a very uh, uh, one of our uh, last shows in this uh, series of thirteen. I'm Nina Bosky. You're listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio, the last day. Part two of the two-part series. Uh, before we get started, we have Bill from Evanston, uh, Illinois, Debbie from Billings, Montana, Marco from Milan, Italy, Veronica from Manhattan, New York, Austin from Orlando, Florida. Hello, good night, Maryland fans. As you know, we are growing uh, around the world each and every day, and it's because of you and this story that we're shedding some great light on this mystery that's been plaguing all of us for the last 52-plus years. So, as I said, today is the last show of our 13-week series. We are going to be back with a new set of 13 shows starting May 29th. This is going to be set up a little bit differently, almost like these last two shows. We're getting a lot of great feedback from you, and uh, we're going to be having a panel of experts, and we'll be starting from the Arthur Miller marriage and divorce and going through the timeline all the way up through her death. There's a lot to cover today because, as you know, last week and last week's show, we uh, started or we left off at about 6 o'clock. Well, that 6 o'clock period up until that point, we could pretty much trace a lot of what's happening in today's show. It's going to get a little murky, definitely is going to get a little bit murky. And so we'll recap of what we did in just a few minutes. We have a wonderful guest lineup. Again, joining us is licensed mental health counselor and best-selling author, Gary Fadako Robles, icon, the life and times and films of Marilyn Monroe, volumes one and two, wonderful book, a wonderful wealth of information, especially if you're looking to look at the accuracy of what really did happen um, This, uh, in terms of her mystery. Immortal Marilyn's Mary Jane Gray will chime in, of course, with her wonderful research. Also want to encourage you, she has a brand new article out on Immortal, Immortal Marilyn's website um, with Dr. Cyril Weck, who is uh, one one of our investigators and pathologists who, uh, and she had a chance to talk to him about the pathology of Marilyn and Leslie Kasperowitz, who's been uh, with Immortal Marilyn since 1998 and has been studying her for over 25 years and David Marshall. So glad to have him back. He had that wonderful task of organizing and presenting a year's worth of online discussions based on Marilyn Monroe's last day. His book, The DD Group, an online investigation into the death of Marilyn Monroe. So this is a, a, an expert uh, panel, knows so much about Marilyn. Uh, we'll get started in just a moment. I just want to remind you to go to goodnightmarilyn.com and you can become part of the community right there. Just put in your email. It's right there on the front page if you want to learn more. Also, I am going to invite you once again to sign the petition. And if you know anybody who wants to sign the petition to, please share. Go to the petition pad uh, tab right at the top of the website. It's really easy. I want to share why we're doing this petition. 
it's in a two tier. And one of it is you can only imagine is there's there the two tier approach to really understanding what happened to Marilyn is there's the aspect of did she commit suicide and really finding out that aspect of it. What did she actively take her life that day? And then the second tier, which is what we're going to be talking about in, especially in this next set set of shows, but we'll definitely touch on it today, which is what is going on in the cover-up? So there's these two tiers of, of trying to find out what happened to her. It's a very complex situation, but if you are um, inclined, I want to invite you to go to the petition tab and really sign the petition. The L.A. law officials, they're looking at what we're doing, and they're looking at, hey, is there really public support to really re-examine this case 52 years later. So if you are inspired, please go and share and sign the petition yourself. So uh, one other announcement I have, very, very excited. We are going to be doing on June 1st, which is Marilyn's birthday, her 89th birthday, we will be holding a press conference uh, at the historical landmark uh, Formosa Cafe. All you Marilyn fans, this is a great way to celebrate Marilyn's birthday. We will also be announcing who will make it to the next round of global, the global search for Marilyn, who's going to play that actress, who is going to be able to make it to uh, really uh, get to the next next stage of these auditions. Uh, we're getting submissions on a daily basis. So uh, those are just two, uh, two little highlights. Thank you, Mike Surgit, our engineer. I know you're uh, you're juggling a lot with us today, and Drew Masters, our talent booker, and also want to invite Randall Libero, who is our uh, executive producer of the show, who was with me at the very beginning, who uh, t- came on the show and talked a little bit, and I'd like to bring him on, who has uh, just a few words to say. Hi, Randall. Hi, Nina. Hi, everybody. Can you all hear me? Yes. Hi. I'm uh, not in the studio today, so I'm calling in on Skype, just like all your guests. Uh, it's, this time has gone by. It seems like just last week we started this project. Uh, it's just shot by just like one of Marilyn's little giggles, and uh, here we are. But I really want to thank the listeners. We have thousands and thousands of listeners from all over the world, as you can hear in the beginning of the program. I also want to thank our incredible uh, uh all of our guests we've had on, of course, Leslie, Mary Jane, Gary, who are on today's show, and Greg Schreiner, who's contributed his uh, little spots, and uh, all of our team, the investigation team, all our contributors. And Nina, I want to thank you. You've done an incredible job with hosting this program and bringing everything together. It's a, you've been so dedicated and committed to this project, and uh, it's been a, a real pleasure working with you. Oh, well, back at you. You know, it definitely, we didn't know exactly how this was going to start and where it's evolved to today. And it's wonderful to see the journey and allow it to unfold in its own process. And like you said, with the panel of experts and all the guests that have been on, um, that, uh, you know, their passion and commitment to uh, to Marilyn, not only her death, but also her, her in exploring her death, but her life, really uh, highlighting her life as well. Right, celebrating her life. So for all of you listening today who've tuned in maybe just in the past few weeks, you have some binge listening to do. You've got to catch up because we've <laughs> re-revealed a lot of new great things on this program, uh, separated the fact from the fiction. So start with the first show, listen to all the programs, catch up on what we've been doing. Today we're going to cover the timeline of the last day, which is really exciting stuff. Uh, again, Tell your friends, share it, sign the petition, uh, join us in, in Hollywood on June 1st. 
Uh, it really does take a whole team of really dedicated and hardworking people to put the show together, together every week. That's really what showbiz is all about. The glamour stuff you see on TV and stuff, that's not show business. It's the work of what people do is really where what makes things happen. And I just want to acknowledge that. And you've given us the big reveal. Uh, we're also going to be... Um, to use a little bit of terminology from the geek comic world, we're about to launch phase two <laughs> of, of the Good Night Maryland universe. So uh, this radio show is the first part of that. We're going to be moving into other areas, of course, the live event on June 1st and some other announcements, which you'll be hearing about. So stay tuned. If, Nina, you want to reveal what those are, maybe today or in the coming weeks or on the website, uh, stay connected to us. Uh, you can talk a little bit about that. Uh, what we're doing with this project has never really been done before, to my knowledge, crossing from one form of media, from internet and radio, to other forms of media, of course, ultimately ending up with the major motion picture, uh, with one and a reality-based project about a real person's life, moving from across all these forms of media. I don't, I don't think anyone's ever done this like we're doing it now with uh, Good Night Maryland, so it's pretty exciting stuff when you do things for the first time. Uh, Nina, I'll just, uh, uh, I found some information about uh, the last day, which I'm sure you'll be talking about, we'll be hearing here, uh, but I just want to say thank you. It's been a real delight, pleasure, and it's uh, very exciting to see what, um, how this is developing, and please, everyone who's listening, uh, tell everyone about this and, and, and uh, basically communicate that to all your friends. We're doing some really exciting things here. We're changing history, and it's not often in the media world that you actually get to hopefully move towards changing real history and uh, correcting a wrong that's been done about someone's life. So I feel really uh, grateful to be a part of that. So thank you. Wow. Well, uh, on that note, that's a, that's a wonderful. Uh, I feel the same way, and uh, you know, this is a this is a very compelling show. This is where it also, and this this last day gets a little, little convoluted, and uh, we've been kind of working up to this, and that's why I think the next set of shows are going to be much more compelling. We're going to, uh, for those of you that wanted more of a unity, uh, you wanted us to uh, be able to leave off and then start up exactly where we left off the following week. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So you can follow it from week to week. And uh, that way, you'll be able to get to know the people better. We didn't really get into the the different uh, characters of Marilyn in terms of Peter Lawford, uh, Eunice Murray, you know, Dr. Greenson, and all the people that we'll be talking about today. So then you can you can learn about these people that really affected Marilyn's life. We have to take a um, we have to take a, um, uh, a a a quick break, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but what I'd like to do is introduce the panel afterwards, um, Randall, and we have a wonderful Ralph Roberts clip that really uh, speaks to where we left off last week. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back and we'll introduce the panel: Mary Jane Gray, Leslie Kasperowitz. Gary Vitaco Robles, and of course, David Marshall, who is uh, with us today and very excited to be here and have all of our panel with us. So you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Thank you, Randall Libero, for being the executive vice, vice president, not executive vice president, executive producer. Executive and I don't producer. know why, executive <laughs> vice president, too. I, I keep on saying that with you. I but also know. just your passion for Maryland. Many people don't know yes. how passionate he really is about Maryland and her life. And that's why Thank the you. 
two of us uh, came together. So I'm sure uh, Marilyn, wherever she is, is thanking you as well. We'll be back in just a moment and we'll start our discussion. That last weekend, I think she was in better shape than all of those years I'd been around. And she was very excited about having her own house after all. I remember her saying that it's so good laughing again. I called her at uh, six o'clock and uh, Greenson answered. She said, she's not here. Uh, It could have been so easily that she was busy, which I would have accepted if she's not here. Um, It would be easier to believe that she committed suicide, but I don't. I think somebody done her in. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. Surprise you. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, I'm Greg Schreiner for Marilyn Remembered. Did you know that Marilyn was very, very generous with charities? She loved to support them. She was a big fan of the Arthritis Foundation. She even wrote a pink elephant at Madison Square Garden for the March of Dimes, and her last public appearance was for a charity at Dodgers Stadium. For Good Night Marilyn Radio and Marilyn Remembered, I'm Greg Schreiner. In our investigation, they state... We have learned that Miss Monroe had often expressed wishes to give up, to withdraw, and even to die. On more than one occasion in the past, when disappointed and depressed, she had made a suicide attempt using sedative drugs. 
On these occasions, she had called for help and had been rescued. From the information collected about the events of the evening of August the 4th, it is our opinion that the same pattern was repeated except for the rescue. On the basis of all the information obtained, it is our opinion that the case is a probable suicide. All right, you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We are talking and discussing the last day of Marilyn Monroe's life. We picked up uh, last week at about the 6 o'clock, 6.30 hour where Ralph Roberts called Marilyn Monroe. We heard that clip right before the commercial. Uh, David, welcome to the show. And also, what do you think about that? Why would Dr. Greenson say that she's not there instead of just saying she's busy? Pretty much anything that you ask about Dr. Greenson, it's going to lead you to the back to the idea that the man is really strange. Uh, he was renowned, he was great in his field, but he was also extremely manipulative. Uh, and possibly one of the reasons is on this day, he wanted to keep Marilyn uh, possibly in crisis as separate uh, from the outside as, as possible. Uh, that's, but again, trying to figure out any of the motives of uh, Dr. Greenson is near to impossible. So, you know, uh, the rest of the panel, or Gary, I'll ask you this question. Why is it that um, Dr. Greenson, given the fact that he wanted to go, you know, get going with his night, wanted to leave, wouldn't it be nice if if Marilyn was in crisis that, you know, somebody like Ralph Roberts that could be very comforting to her that, uh, and Ralph Roberts, for everybody that's listening that may not know who who Ralph Roberts is or remember, Ralph Roberts was Marilyn's personal masseuse. So, you know, given the fact that they were going to be um, barbecuing that day, why wouldn't he invite Ralph to be that uh, person to comfort her? Well, apparently Greenson's role was to separate Marilyn from Ralph Roberts. She really loved him. Uh, Patricia Newcomb told me just the depth of their relationship. They had like a brother and sister relationship. And I don't know if, if Greenson really wanted her to rely more upon um, him, uh, I'm not quite sure and, and what he felt was unhealthy about that relationship or why he wanted to put a wedge between them. Um, but uh, Eunice Murray and Ralph Roberts uh, hadn't uh, met many times. I think Greenson wanted to align Marilyn more with um, Eunice Murray, who then could report back to him. Wow. And uh, Leslie, what are your thoughts on that? I I tend to agree with Gary. I really think he was trying to cut her off from some of the other people who were influential in her life. Um, He wanted to be the main influence in her life, I believe. Um, And there's also, you know, been some talk that she was thinking of ending her association with Greenson around this time. So it's very possible he didn't want Ralph Roberts to have any say in that matter to encourage her to do so. All right. Well, that's that's a very interesting in terms of, you know, territory and who's who and who the players are. So about seven o'clock uh, that night, Dr. Greenson leaves Marilyn's home. Uh, Mary Jane, anything to add on that? Did he, he, where was he going and um, why did he leave? He said that he had a uh, dinner party to attend with his wife that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, the Police reports state that he was at her home from 4.30 to about 10 after 7. So and, then, 
and then I got a question for you with this. Um, And, uh, you know, David, uh, with this, at 6.30 p.m., Pat Newcomb departs Maryland's home. Why is that? I think it's the same reason as uh, Dr. Greenstein wanting to separate her both from Ralph Roberts and Joe DiMaggio and anybody else who had an influence with her. There's also the possibility that, Going back, it is speculation. If Robert Kennedy had been at the house that day, it's possible that Peter Lawford and Pat Newcomb had backed him up as she was there at the house uh, to dissuade her from any further contact with uh, the Kennedy family and the administration. And so with uh, that in mind, it's likely that Marilyn was still somewhat uh, upset with, uh, with Pat Newcomb. And I can see that as a reason it's, uh, for Greenson asking her to leave. And Leslie, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, well, I think that Pat was probably on her way out anyway. Um, I, I, she'd already spent the night and, and kind of uh, been putting Marilyn out a little bit with uh, having her there and being sick. So uh, it's very possible that it was just something that she was going to leave either way. But I, I do think that uh, it comes back to Greenson trying to separate her from, uh, from other people in her life who had an influence on her. And Pat was definitely one of those people. All right. So, so Mary Jane, um, so we're back at Dr. Greenson. Greenson leaves. Then what happens? Um, after Greenson left at about 710, uh, around 715, uh, Marilyn got a collect call from her stepson, Joe DiMaggio Jr., and she spoke to him for about 15, 20 minutes. He was calling to tell her that he had uh, broken off his engagement, and Marilyn was happy about that because she thought he was too young to get married. And by his account, she was normal, pleasant conversation, seemed, you know, just like herself. There was nothing unusual about the call. All right. And then, um, Gary, in regards to Dr. Greenson and her session, obviously they had sessions on almost a daily basis. Uh, yeah. That that day they had a longer session, which is two hours, which is not unheard of for her to do that. What is it that is either in speculation or probable that they were talking about that she was, quote, so upset about? Well, the, the story we hear most often is that there is tension between um, her and Pat Newcomb. Um, there's also speculation that possibly she's distancing herself from the treatment, um, possibly even wanting to withdraw her services with Greenson. Um, there's talk of her possibly wanting to withdraw uh, Eunice Murray as the housekeeper. Uh, Eunice Murray did have a, a planned trip to Europe later on in, in the fall, so she was going to be going on leave uh, regardless. So, so you know, this is kind of interesting because, you know, when you look at some of uh, Dr. Greenson's records, you know, he was he was not happy. He he wanted to kind of be done with her, so, sort of speak, or, or he wanted to to uh, rid himself of so so much responsibility. Leslie, why is that that uh, you know that he was then still being territorial with her at the same time? Uh, well, again, as, as David said earlier, it's very hard to, to guess at Greenson's motivation for anything. Uh, but I, I don't think that he necessarily wanted to be done with her. I think that she was uh, obviously a, a, a difficult patient. But at the same time, he had drawn her into the sort of treatment that had led to her extreme dependence on him. So I think it was a, a, kind of an odd relationship of codependence in a way, uh, where there may have been some part of him that may have wanted to be a little free of her, but at the same time, I, I don't think that he was truly ready to let her go. 
Yeah. So anybody want to add on that comment before we move on? No. Okay. Um, so let's move into, so Dr. Joe, or Dr. Joe, uh, Joe DiMaggio Jr. calls. They have a pleasant conversation for about 30 minutes. That leads us up to about 745. Is that correct? Yes. Am I wrong? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at 745, Peter Lawford calls Marilyn. Is that right, David? I, I would say it was a little bit later, but uh, yeah, so Lawford calls the house, uh, and what has been written up is he was asking her if she wanted to come over uh, to the Lawford house for dinner. Uh, he had friends over, and his wife, uh, Pat Kennedy Lawford, was back in Hyannis, so he, he had an open house. Uh, the only thing that I have a problem with that is if you think about it, and again, it is speculation. If Robert Kennedy had been at the house that day, and if Robert Kennedy and Peter Lawford and Pat Newcomb had all been spending the afternoon trying to convince Marilyn to place a distance, and she was upset by this, it seems really unlikely to me that later on, just a couple hours later, he Peter Lawford gives a call and says, hey, let's get to dinner. It seems like it would make more sense if he was concerned. He was a good friend of her, as was his wife to be calling the house to make sure that she's okay. Interesting. So, Gary, you have a, another take also on this with some of the other players that are saying that, you know, she wasn't even actually going to dinner at uh, the Lawfords, that she was going somewhere else. Can you speak to that? Well, it, the, the statements by Lawford are very consistent. You know, originally he says that he calls around 7 o'clock. That doesn't fit with the timeline. This is what he says to the press in 62. Many years later, he says that he that they spoke at 5 o'clock, and then he called back possibly around uh, 7.30. Um, but, you know, interestingly, when I, when I did the, the research for ICON, um, uh, a biographer by the name of Shivi quotes actress Jan Sterling, saying that Marilyn was expected at a dinner at Kirk Douglas's home and his wife, and that they waited for her to arrive and um, she never did. It, it's it's anecdotal, but it struck me as as very interesting. Huh. Yeah. Go ahead, David. No, I was I, that was involuntary, just like oh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always wondered if there's any significance to that story. Yeah. So Mary Jane or uh, Leslie, do you have any comments on that? Because that was one of the first times I've heard that. That's the first time I've heard that too. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, of course, I, I I read that in Gary's book, and it was the first time that I had come across that one. And uh, yeah, it's one of those interesting stories that it adds to the you know constant contradictions that we have about this night. Well, and it does because at you know seven forty five, you know, it all of a sudden starts to get a little bit fuzzy, and Peter all of a sudden he calls her, um, and let's let's because this. What he's saying here, and we actually have a comment uh, from uh, uh, Jenna from Bend, Oregon. It says, why is it that Peter Lawford calls his lawyers or lawyer instead of calling the paramedics or 911? Um, I don't know if they had 911 back then. So, uh, you know, Mary Jane, what do you think about what uh, that listener um, is talking about in terms of Peter Lawford? Yeah, it's always been very strange that if he was so uh, concerned about her well-being, why didn't he just go over there himself? Or, you know, the other thing is, you know, he said the phone went dead and it was a busy signal, but it's, it's pretty well known. Marilyn had two phone lines, 
And if he called his lawyer who was able to call and speak to her housekeeper, why didn't he himself just call the other phone line and speak to the housekeeper? It's, it's very muddled and doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. And um, what was it? Um, he, he changed his story on that a couple of times. Uh, in one interview, he said it was because of, you know, uh, him being part of the Kennedy family. Um, in another one, um, Milton Evans said that he was, that he, sorry, he, Milton Evans told Peter Lawford not to go because you know how agents are. I, I can't give any more insight into what that means, but um, I do also want to note that uh, Peter Lawford is pretty well known for having a severe addiction problem, and mm-hmm. as the years went on, I think that really came into play with some of the statements he made and some of the inconsistencies. So generally, I tend to take anything he said with a grain of salt. How about in regards to the very, that, that night, what's the official account of what exactly went on from 7.45 to about 8.45 p.m. with Peter Lawford, Mickey Rudin, and Milton Elb- Ebbis, uh, Ebbins. Um, was was the attorney Milton Ebbins at Peter Lawford's, which I think is kind of odd if he was? Yeah, it was a, it was a dinner party with the, um, with the, the NARS, a couple, um, George Durgham, and Milton Evans and his wife, who was a big band singer, I think her name was like Lynn Sheridan. So this was a dinner party going on. And I think what's significant, there's two Miltons here, so it makes it very confusing. Yes. There's Lawford's manager, Milton Evans, but there's also Milton Rudin, who is Marilyn's attorney. But the, the biggest significance, I think, is that Milton Rudin is the brother-in-law of Dr. Greenson, so I'm not sure if they were really trying to get in touch with Dr. Greenson, who was out, but they happened to have direct access to Milton Rudin, who was um, at another dinner party. Now, I just want to add something. I talked to our entertainment lawyer, and I said, you know, that's just such an odd thing. You know, if somebody's in stress, a physical stress, and you think that they are in crisis, a physical crisis, I'm not calling lawyers. I'm calling the ambulance. That's what I'm doing, right? So he said, but if you're a high-profile person, first thing you're doing is calling your lawyer. So that's what he said. I personally, I sit there and I think to myself, it just seems a little odd if, uh, you know, if people are so worried about her. Leslie, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that in hindsight, I think a lot of people put a lot more concern on the events than they actually had at the time. I'm not sure that people re- that they really believed that there was anything serious going on at the time that, that to the point of calling 911. Uh, so I think that that may be a part of it that looking back on it afterwards, now knowing that what had happened that night, you just say, oh, we were really, really worried when at the time it may have just been a mild concern. Mild concern, but but then it, then it begs to was she saying goodbye to people? You know what I mean. That just seems a very odd, um, you know. And maybe because you're in party mode, uh, you're not really with it as much, and you're not really thinking about it. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, she's just you know being Marilyn. I'm not sure. Anybody want to comment on that one? Well, Lawford's um, story changed. At first, he says that he's talking to Marilyn, and her voice kind of fades off. And it sounds as if the phone goes dead. But then many years later is when he recounts the, the say goodbye to the president line, which he did not reveal back in the 60s. 
Yeah, which I think is odd. You know what I mean? That's a, it, in itself. So, you know, those phone calls are happening somewhere between 7.45 and 8.45 p.m., 9 o'clock. David, anything you want to add as we start to move on to what is actually going on during this time? Well, I want to talk just a little bit more about this Lawford call. If in 62, it would have been totally, it would have been really nuts for him to have mentioned anything about the president in his last conversation with Mara Monroe. Uh, so when he finally does that, that's in the, I forget now if it's 75 or 76, that he brings up the say goodbye to the president uh, idea. And by that point, both the president and Robert Kennedy and Marilyn are all gone. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is if Robert Kennedy were in California that day and something had happened, uh, some confrontation between him and Marilyn, uh, he would have been in close contact with Peter, likely was at the home. And I think if Peter then heard Marilyn in distress and was upset enough, the first person he would have uh, Turned to it had been Robert Kennedy, and I think it's really possible that Robert Kennedy would have been the one that says, no way, nobody, you're not going to be in touch with her, and for him to suggest that uh, then the lawyers and uh, the agents step in. Got it. Well, that that uh, that could be a probable reason why all of a sudden it's becoming much more official versus something you're just worried about your friend. Uh, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so tell me, guys, you know, Mary Jane, maybe you can answer this question. Um, so, so where is it that we think that Marilyn at that point is start starting to, um, you know, uh, really get into a more of a fuzzy state and might have been taking too many pills, et cetera, or something might have happened? What's the actual time frame that we think that she passed? It was between probably 8 and 8.30, and we know that based on um, scientific evidence, um, based on it was noted at 5.30 in the morning when the undertaker showed up that there was full rigor mortis and fixed lividity, and those, you know, take a number of hours to fit in, and then um, at the autopsy, uh, the liver temperature was noted, and that also ties in with time of death because you lose, uh, you know, a degree of temperature an hour, and that puts her time of death at right between probably 8 and 8.30 and definitely no later than 9 p.m. All right, we're going to have to take a break. But when I sit there and I look at this time frame of death, she's talking to uh, Joe DiMaggio Jr., seems to be in good mood, um, seems to be talking, and we want to talk about who else she was talking to during this time, right? That just seems really odd for somebody to actively take their life. So with that, we are talking about the last day of Marilyn Monroe's life. There are certainly a lot of holes in this uh, last day, and uh, we're trying to fill them in for you. You're listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. I'm Nina Boski, and we'll be back in just a moment. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Dance Talk Radio has come to Voice America. Join host Tracy Marciniak and her celebrity guests every week for a show that takes you inside the world of dance. 
What's it like working with stars like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift? The experts share their stories and the behind-the-scenes secrets. Plus, inside tips to become a better dancer, instructor, or studio owner. Dance on over to the Voice America Variety Channel every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific for Dance Talk Radio. Math Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, joining in to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We have a guest panel, Gary Vitaco Robles. We have Mary Jane Gray from Immortal Maryland, as well as Leslie Kasperowitz, and of course, David Marshall, the DD Group, the online investigation into the death of Marilyn Monroe. Quite a panel. Right before we went to the break, you heard us talk about the fact that uh, Marilyn um, is known to have died somewhere between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m on um saturday august 4th okay even though officially it says august 5th august 4th uh david you wanted to make a comment well i just wanted to add in that there are two times that are uh, documented and the first one would be at eight twenty-five. that's when evans calls is trying to get a hold of uh, mickey rudin and gets rudin's answering service and that call was logged in at eight twenty-five. There's another answering service uh, log, and that was at Ralph Roberts' answering service, where they received a call that was 99% positive from Maryland, and that came in at 8.30. In both of those cases, uh, the time is documented, and from Ralph Roberts' uh, answering service, we know that the caller was uh, severely slurred speech, and that Ruff has come back and said that he knows that that call was from Maryland. As uh, I think he said, two other people knew that phone number, uh, and both of them were out of town at the time, uh, or said that they didn't call. So we know that it is Maryland who's calling. Wow, and Gary. Well, Milton Rudin did reach Eunice Murray at about nine o'clock, and according to Mrs. Murray. Uh, he didn't indicate any um, le- high level of concern or distress. He just kind of casually asked about Marilyn's well-being. And um, Mrs. Murray walked not into the hallway where she might have seen the cord under the door or, or a light under the door. She walked through the Jack and Jill bathroom into the other room to answer the phone. And um, she says if, if she had known that there was a, a level of concern, um, she would have taken action and made more of an effort to check on Marilyn. 
All right, this is really bothering me. This is this is a point that's is getting under my crawl a little bit with this. If Peter Lawford indeed officially comes on and says, you know what, she's saying goodbye to the president, saying goodbye to him, saying goodbye to everybody, right? And he's in touch with the lawyers. Why in the world would the lawyer just casually be checking in on Marilyn? Mary Jane? Again, I, I find this whole story very strange. I mean, you know, like we touched on, Eunice said if he had, you know, exhibited more concern, I would have, I don't know, actually checked on her. Um, but just the thought, for them to have tracked down Melton Rudin at a dinner party where he's out at a social event, gets a phone call saying, you need to call and, and check on Marilyn, to say that there was um, just, it was very lackadaisical and, and casual, just doesn't seem to ring true to me. No. That he had to do- be hunted down and then call her, and then it was, you know, no urgency and no big deal. That just seems very, very odd. Leslie, do you want to add anything before we move on to the next comment? Uh, Yeah, I do. First of all, I wanted to point out that we missed, um, we kind of missed over one phone call that did occur in between uh, Joe DiMaggio Jr.'s call and the Lawford call, which is that Marilyn uh, supposedly called Ralph Greenson to tell him about Joe's call, uh, Joe Jr.'s call, and uh, expressed to him how happy she was that the engagement had been broken off and um, that they spoke briefly. He was getting ready to go out to his dinner party and he uh, said they would speak in the morning. And obviously at that point in time, which we're guessing is around 7.45, again, timeline gets a little confused on some of these calls, uh, but he didn't note anything of concern. So we're talking about a very quick downhill here from the time she spoke to Greenson until we've got her on the phone with Lawford. Yeah, so that was a very good point, uh, Leslie. So about 7.45, somewhere between 7.35 and 7.45, she tells and calls Greenson. Is there anybody else on the record that she has talked to during this time that's credible that we know of? Uh, Gary? I'm not aware of anyone else. And in that last phone call to Greenson, she does ask him if uh, he had removed the vial of Nembutal, and he tells her that, that he did not. And she takes the DiMaggio call in another room, and Mrs. Murray wondered if she found uh, the Neb- Nebitol vial in that particular bedroom, that it might not have been in the, her own bedroom where the doctor held a session with her. Okay. Anything else anybody wants to add as we get into the 9 o'clock hour? Just a no. thought on that, uh, convers- that question to uh, Dr. Greenson. It makes sense to me. Uh, you go back to the Friday night, right? We know that Marilyn had uh, the prescription, 25 pills, uh, delivered on Friday. Pat Newcomb spends the night. Pat Newcomb wants, or Marilyn wants her to be there, get a good night's sleep, sit out by the pool, get healthy. Uh, so it makes sense to me that possibly uh, Newcomb had uh, a sleeping pill Friday night yes. and had that uh, prescription bottle in the guest bedroom. And that's why Marilyn wasn't uh, wasn't aware of where it was. But it also makes me question. You know, all of a sudden she is asking Greenson. You know, she has to have some sort of suspicions going on if she's going to be asking him if he's trying to remove her pills. 
Uh, yeah, this 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 time frame and the quickness of it just seems very odd when we start looking at actively taking your life. I'm not saying that she couldn't have done a had an overdose in regards to her life, but to actively take your life, it just seems very odd to be, uh, you know, happy one minute and uh, you know going down the next. But uh, but uh, with that said, you know, um, you know, as she starts to slide and or you know um, whether it's suicide, accidental overdose, or something more. Um, you know, we start to move into the fact that she's actually passed away. But that's not the official verdict. The official verdict is is that three o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden everybody is 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 you know coming to the notion that something uh, must have gone wrong. But there's also other accounts after nine o'clock that start to happen. Gary, do you want to start this uh, process of what happens after nine o'clock? Yes. Well, you know the. Joe and Dolores Narr, who were guests of the Lawfords, they drove home um, rather early, before 11 o'clock, and they had no recollection that there was a concern about Marilyn at the Lawford home. So if that conversation with Milton Evans and the phone calls to Milton Rudin took place, it might have been um, behind closed doors. Because when they drove home, they had, uh, they had already arrived home, and Lawford uh, called them and asked them to go check on Marilyn. And then they claimed that Lawford called back and said, no need to, to, to go to the house because Milton Rudin called, and Mrs. Murray says everything is okay. And That's what time was that? That's one version. And what time was that? It would have been um, before 11 o'clock, because they said they were at the house sometime between, well, maybe 8 and 10. At, law, okay. at Lawford's. All right. Uh, David, do you want to add anything to that? Not right off, no. Okay. Mary Jane? Um, no, I'm good. No. Okay. And Leslie, if we're now moving into um, all of a sudden, you know, it's getting close to 11 o'clock, Arthur Jacobs and fiance Natalie Trundy were also at the Hollywood Bowl, and Arthur Jacobs is informed that Marilyn Monroe is dead. Is that correct? Is that, did that actually happen? That is Natalie Trundy's version of events. She uh, says that a messenger uh, came to summon uh, Jacobs to the phone uh, and that Jacobs was told that either told that she was near death or that she was, in fact, dead. Um, and he asked someone else to drive her home. Uh, and she, uh, she said, uh, told uh, Spotto in an interview that she believed it was Milton Rudin who had called Arthur. But that's, um, you know, that's hearsay. Of course, that's her, her guess. Um, and she doesn't know anything beyond that. So she was taken home, and that's the last that we know of that particular story. Okay, and supposedly at 11.30, Arthur Jacobs arrives. David, is that your recollection? Is that what you know to be true, or is that just a story? I I am not sure what time he would have showed up, but I do believe Natalie Trundy. Uh, the, between 10 and 10 uh, it seems like just about enough time for uh, Greenson and Murray and Ingeborg all to have discovered that Marilyn is dead, and then the phone calls from the house start going out to notify the people. Um, and so the timing is right. The other thing I want to toss in is it seems that Lawford is personally uh, or purposefully kept out of the loop. If he is calling Nair uh, between 10.30 and 11 o'clock, that is, he would be unaware of her death. But Natalie Trundy and Jacobs already are aware of the death. 
Very, very interesting. So then um, Milton Evans uh, and Joe, who else is uh, supposedly either at the house or on their way right now? Gary? Um, I don't have a lot of specific information as to, as to the, the theories about the, the, mid, the midnight trips. Um, there, there is some speculation that the Schaefer Ambulance Company is called, um, but I've, I've never seen any documentation of that. Um, they, uh, the driver had claimed that the body was in what would have been the guest room of the, of the, of the house and not in the master bedroom. Okay. So, so, so let me, uh, we have to, uh, believe it or not, we only have two minutes to close. We didn't make it to the four o'clock hour, which oh. means that's all, all the reason why we have to do this next ser- series of shows because there's even more breakdown um, because this is where it starts to get very, very murky. It's already murky, but it, it gets a little bit more murky. Um, we're leaving it off at around the 11 o'clock hour, but we're going to go back and we're going to start to look at what these holes are, what these different theories are and as again what we do on the show dispel fact from fiction probable theory from outlandish rumor so uh leslie uh your remaining comments as we kind of move into this uh 11 o'clock hour anything you want to add um i think i'm not sure you know in terms of who may have been at the house or not been at the house but uh, there is no doubt in my mind that that people were aware that she had passed at this point in time so you now have a lot of hours between this time and when the uh, official you know story is that she wasn't discovered until 3:30 in the morning and this like you said this is where a lot of the questions start to come in and and, and there's been plenty of people fill in those hours with any kind of theory yes. they can come up with all right so, uh, so uh, yeah, no, thank you for that, and that's a very good point. Mary Jane, and we just uh, give me about uh, 10, 15 seconds of, of your last comments. Um, I was just going to say that uh, knowing a lot of this timeline helps us eliminate some of the people who are less than credible because uh, there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, I called her at 10 o'clock or, um, you yes. know, I saw Bobby go into the house at 9, and we just, you know that's not true. Absolutely. All right. All right, guys, we, we actually have to uh, close. We have a, a closing segment from, from Marilyn. David Marshall, I am so excited to have you on this panel. I'm so excited to have you back in a couple of weeks. We're going to be starting this panel back up. Um, as you know, these guys are a wealth of information. Gary Vitaco Robles, Mary Jane Gray, and, of course, Leslie Kasperowitz. Uh, this uh, story as you know, can start to be revealed from fact from fiction, from probable theory to outlandish rumor, and this is what we're going to discern. I hope you will join us back here again for Goodnight Maryland Radio, May 29th. If you uh, know people who want to listen to these next two episodes, we'll be airing them again over the next couple of weeks. And just want to say thank you so much for listening as we reveal uh, to this beautiful light, this beautiful soul, not just an iconic star, but somebody that deserves to know what exactly happened to her that night back in August of 1962. Thank you, Maryland fans. And uh, remember... Never stop dreaming. How long do you think you'll be at the top, I wonder? Um, at the top isn't so important. What I'd like to do, that is what I would like to accomplish. I would like to be a good actress. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not a matter of being on top because I think 
some of the best actors and actresses perhaps aren't on the top. So that's not mm. the thing. Do you miss your anonymity? Do you miss being able to go out and, and not be recognized and go places uh, so that, uh, as it used to be before you became famous, so no one would pay any attention to you except... I'll tell you. Um, I do in a way. However, I'm terribly grateful for everything that's happened because I remember when things weren't like this at all. But you do miss sometimes just being able to be completely yourself and someplace and people just know you as another human being. Well, now, your success and has been the, or close to it, the dream of, of, a, of every American girl, all right, I guess. Uh, after you got what you want, did you want it? Well, I, as I say, uh, the thing I like the most is to become a real actress. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was a kid sitting in the front row at the movies on Saturday afternoon. And I would never come out of the movie. They'd have to come and get me, you know, I'd sit in the front row. And i think how wonderful it would be to be an actress and so forth. But I didn't really realize about acting, except I appreciated what I saw. Bad, good, it didn't matter. I enjoyed it very much, everything that I would see. Anything that would move on the screen. However, um... I think I realize more and more the responsibility. And it is a responsibility. And mm -hmm. as I say, I would like to be a good actress. Mm -hmm. Good night, Marilyn. Bye-bye. It's a pleasure meeting you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week.